You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, June 17th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle, and I'm very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. A lot to get into today. We're going to answer some of your questions from the front row message board. Before we get into that, Bax, I'm going to get your thoughts on what I consider fake outrage from some of the national media regarding Ohio State's players signing the quote-unquote Buckeye Pledge. A lot of people are mad saying that these kids shouldn't have to sign a waiver and all of this, and the thing is that gets lost in the shuffle that nobody mentions is Ohio State's players don't have a problem with it, and it makes a lot of sense. I have a daughter that plays middle school tennis. Middle school tennis, I guarantee we're going to have to sign a waiver releasing the school district from any liability regarding the coronavirus. And I'm just like, where, you know, show me the pen. You know, where do I sign? So I consider this fake outrage that people are saying, you know, you know how can Ohio State make them do this? They're not making them do it. It's voluntary, and none of the players have a problem with it. What's your thoughts about this, Bax? Well, first of all, it's not legally binding. It's a pledge, right? So this is something that I think people need to just chill out about. Uh, it's not like they're saying, if you do not abide by the terms of this, you will lose your scholarship. Like, no, that's not what they're saying here. The gist of this is, please be respectful of others so that we don't spread this thing around so we can have football. It makes a world of sense. The players don't have a problem with it because it's accountability. It's not like, again, you're talking about yanking a scholarship or suing them. If somebody gets coronavirus somehow in the next six months, because somebody will, right? It's just going to happen, and especially with all the testing that they're doing, right? You may have asymptomatic guys walking around all day with there was no testing, and nobody knows the darn difference between kids at this age. So, to me, this is just another excuse to jump on Ohio State for stuff. They're not the only ones doing it; they're just the most prominent doing it. And let's face it: a lot of other schools are having a lot bigger issues right now. With, I don't know head coaches who might end up being somewhat racist. So I think anything you can sling at Ohio State, people are trying to sling at them right now because we know how much people like to stir up anything involving Ohio State besides the fan base. To me, this is a nothing burger. It's called respectful of your coaches, your teammates, the staff, and their families. And I don't really have any issue with that whatsoever. And clearly neither do Ohio State's players. We'll get into more of that later. One of the questions we have from a listener wants to know a little bit more about that. So we'll touch on this topic to end the show, but let's move on for now. I want to get your thoughts back on the poll question that we posted yesterday on Bucknuts for our poll of the day. And it's a dead heat between like four guys. The question was, who is the most important returning starter for the Buckeyes this year, other than Justin Fields and Sean Wade? What say the backs? Thayer Munford. Plain and simple. There's a lot of guys you could point out here, right? I, I could go down a laundry list of them. But to me, it's Thayer Munford, and particularly it's Thayer Munford's back being healthy. Uh, if he does not have a healthy back, then you're talking about a true freshman in, in Paris Johnson starting. You have Nick Petit Ferrer that we're hoping is going to be finally just his quote unquote here. But I'd much rather those two fight for one open spot and have one emerge and have to count on both. Especially when you have a guy in Nick and Thayer Munford who can end up being a top three round pick if he's healthy. So he's a serious player. And getting him back healthy is critical. He guards Justin Fields on the side. He saw the issues that he had last year. And, you know, end of the day, I, I 
really think if he's healthy, he's the biggest critical swing up and down one way or another in terms of uh, health. And that's the thing. Is the thing when you talk about the most important returning starter outside of Fields and Wade, saying, yes, those are the two best players on, the, on each side of the ball. But what we have to do here at this point is essentially say, okay, uh, which player is going to cost us the most if we don't have him? To me, that answer quite simply is Thayer Munford. It was really tough for me. I was trying to pick between all three of their turning offensive linemen are so important with Thayer, with Josh Myers at center, with Wyatt Davis at right guard. It was just really tough to pick between them. So I, I, I copped out and went with Chris Olave. <laughs> I just feel like having Chris Olave back is huge. They've got a lot of talent at wide receiver, but a lot of it's very young. He's the only returning starter there. So I, I uh, kind of couldn't pick between my three offensive linemen and went with Chris Olave. All right, but yeah, it's, seriously, you could go with any of the three offensive linemen. You could go with Zach Harrison, got a lot of votes, even though he only started like one or two games, kind of cheating to call him a returning starter. But he did start one or two games last year. He's getting a lot of votes. I understand that as well. Um, but, you know, I, I went with Olave. All right, let's get to some questions from listeners. First question is from Borny22. He says, Bax, is there a trap game for the Buckeyes this fall? My God, there's a trap game. And I'll tell you what it is. It's Illinois. That is the worst place for Ohio State to visit. And it's the week before the game. So let me give you a little bit of background on this one. And I, put, I talked at length about this in the Bucket of Bullets not that long ago. Illinois is a spot where when Ohio State goes there, there's always bad weather. There's always something weird that happens. And generally, the games end up being way closer than they should be. Now, the last two trips, it was 28-3 to and like 60-35. to The 28-3 to game, if memory serves, was within two or three touchdowns the majority of the game. And a team that was scoring way more points than that. The game before that was the big Carlos Hyde game, where he and Braxton ran off a couple long video game touchdowns to break open a tight game. Before that, every single game is like a slugfest, sloggy, ugly 10-point winner left. I mean, the year that they, they went undefeated, they went to Illinois the week before Michigan in 2006, and they slugged out an ugly, hideous, completely disaster, freezing game that they won by a field goal. I think it was something like 17-14 or something was the final score. You know how I know that? Because I was at that game. Champaign in November is hell on earth. It's like 40-mile-an-hour winds. It's like 35 degrees. And the next week, you know, is a much more important game against a much better team. So you want to talk about all the classics of a trap game? It's this one. Illinois is absolutely the game I fear the most on the schedule because it's the easiest one for them to overlook. And Illinois was somewhat reasonable last year. Remember, they did beat Wisconsin at home last year. They made a bowl game last year. So this may be an Illinois team that's sitting there at four and six or five and five or something, trying to hold on to Lovey Smith's job, who's who, whatever his flaws may be as a coach, that the players like him a lot. That was the first school back um, with players on campus in the Big Ten this year. So all these factors combined, yeah, Illinois, 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 Illinois. I'm terrified of that game because it's one of the games they could see Ohio State simply overlooking for much bigger fish to fry the next week. And there being an Illinois team with everything to play for in a horrible, horrible game for conditions. And if he can stay healthy, which has been his issue throughout his career, Brandon Peters is a solid quarterback, and he's, he's going to be playing his best ball, you would think, as a fifth-year senior. He was good for Illinois last year as a fourth-year junior after transferring from Michigan. If Brandon Peters can stay healthy, uh, Illinois could uh, go to a bowl game back-to-back -back years, which would be huge for Lovey Smith. Speaking of the Big Ten West backs, who is your – this is, again, another question from Borney22. Who is your pick? for Ohio State to face at Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game? 
Well, I'm not going to say Illinois. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be interesting this year because everybody's talking up Minnesota with the way that things went for them last year. But, you know, until somebody out West actually beats Wisconsin, I'm going to keep picking Wisconsin. If you look at what the, the West is real quick across the board, Northwestern's going to be way better. They have Peyton Ramsey at the starting quarterback position, but I don't think they're going to improve enough to win the West. Purdue is just going to be your chaos team. They could score 50 points any week, and they could give up 60 points any week. Like, again, Purdue was my favorite Big Ten team, not the Buckeyes to watch last year. I can't wait to watch them again this year. I think they'll be improved, but I don't think they're good enough to win the West. Nebraska, good luck, Scott Frost. You really shouldn't have turned down Joe Burrow a couple of years ago. Illinois, no, let's be honest. So it comes down to Scotty, Iowa, and Minnesota. I'm ruling Iowa out right now. they got a new quarterback. They've got all that stuff going on up there that I think is going to affect the way that the team plays this year. So it comes down to Wisconsin and Minnesota. I think Minnesota's super talented. they got a bunch of guys back. P.J. Fleck is going to have another 9-10 win year. Don't be surprised if they beat Michigan this year, folks. The little brown jug is back in play this year. Um, but at the end of the day, somebody has to beat Wisconsin for me to believe that Wisconsin's not going to win the Big Ten West. So I'm going with Scotty right now. And I bet you they go out and they have their usual 10-2 and two sort of season, and they're waiting there for Ohio State at the end of the day. Wouldn't surprise me. I am going to kind of go with the tide and pick Minnesota. I just feel like I like Tanner Morgan a lot. They got a lot of returning starters, and Wisconsin got them last year, but Minnesota got Wisconsin the year before that. So I think this is going to be Minnesota's year. We'll see, though. I do, I do think it's going to come down to Minnesota or Wisconsin. I'm not buying Iowa at all this year, as you mentioned. New quarterback, a lot of unrest there. When you lose your strength coach who's been there for that long, it'd be like Ohio State losing Mickey Marotti. I mean, that's a huge blow. I mean, right now, the strength coach is the most important guy on the staff. <laughs> the coaches can't even work with the players right now. So imagine right now as you're trying to get ready for the season and you don't have your strength coach. That's huge. So, all right, moving on. Go ahead. Go ahead. That strength coach's son was supposed to be their starting middle linebacker, and he's transferring because of the whole stigma surrounding his dad and how he may have treated some of the players. So this is the, Iowa not only lost their strength coach, they lost their starting middle linebacker out of this situation too. So it's a double whammy for them. And let's face it, Ferentz always wins between six and nine games, and if this is going to knock his program down a notch, they could win four games and it wouldn't surprise me. So – you know, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in Iowa City right now. I mean, because if there's more stuff that comes out, then it could really blow that program up. Next question, the final question from Borny22. I really like this one. Bax, who will be the four college football playoff teams this year? <laughs> I mean. So this is, this, is, this is getting to the point where I'm arguing about my hyper-elites that I like to keep talking about. But until somebody shows me otherwise, it's going to be Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma. And I hate to say, it, makes, it make it sound simplistic, but th those four are odds-on the biggest factors, if you ask me. And here's why. First of all, the Pac-12, assuming Ohio State goes out west and beats Oregon, nobody in the Pac-12 is going to lose fewer than two games. I think Oregon's probably the best team out west right now. But it wouldn't surprise me if 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two was the best team out there. In the Big 12 right now, you have Oklahoma coming back. And sure, they have to replace a quarterback that they actually recruited themselves for the first time in years. There's no transfer of Palooza between Baker and, and, and that whole group that they've had come through. But I still think Spencer Rattler is probably the best quarterback in the Big 12. Prior to this whole Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy was wearing racism shirt thing. Um, Oklahoma State, to me, I thought was the biggest contender to – uh, the Sooners in the Big 12. I don't really buy Texas that much because I don't think their quarterback's any better than above average. 
But all three of those teams could end up with some sort of semblance of a 10-2 and two record. But I just Oklahoma's ran the show in the Big 12 for so long that I'd be surprised if it didn't continue to do so this year, enough that they're probably the default number four. I do think the big interesting debate is going to be Oklahoma sitting there probably with one loss in a Big 12 champion. And is that going to be better than a one-loss non-divisional champion SEC team? Or is it going to be better than a one-loss Penn State team? Because uh, that's what I think the big debate's going to be. Because um, if Oklahoma does stumble, then you're in a spot where I think Clemson's clearly going to get in. I think Ohio State's clearly going to get in because they, they each have maybe one or two real challenges on their schedule this year based on their talent level. Uh, Clemson has to play Notre Dame. So that's actually a somewhat interesting game, and it's at Notre Dame. Ohio State obviously has Penn State in the Oregon game. Um, but the real interesting thing is let's say Penn State loses to Ohio State and goes 11-1. And let's say in the SEC that Alabama wins the SEC, um, but they beat uh, – they, let's say they beat Florida in the SEC championship game. Well, here's the real interesting part. Um, Georgia plays against Alabama in the first month and a half of the season. What if Georgia goes out, beats Alabama, then loses to Florida um, in the world's largest cocktail party, and that's the tiebreaker. So Georgia goes 11-1 with a win over Alabama but doesn't get to make the SEC championship game because of the way things panned out. Is that 11-1 Georgia team going to go ahead and of a 12-1 Oklahoma team? That will be real interesting to watch. So there's, there's a, th- I think this year is one of the best chances we could have to have two teams from one conference in. But until somebody shows me otherwise, I'm picking four hyper elite. I'm not really worrying about it. Yeah, I uh... – you know, I, I think there's going to be two teams from the SEC. I hope there's not. It just seems like that's just so common. And I do think Florida is going to be really good this year. So my teams are Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Florida. I think Florida is going to go into that SEC championship game undefeated. And maybe they'll lose to Alabama. If not, obviously Florida, if they, if they win, they'll be in for sure. But I think Alabama is going to win the SEC. Florida will be a one-loss team that loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. So I hope you're right. I hope it's Oklahoma again or maybe even somebody from the Pac-12 like Oregon. But I'm going to go Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Florida. All right, next couple of questions comes from Bucks Grad. Bucks Grad wants to know if there's any news from the voluntary workout so far over at the WAC. There's not a lot. I can say I keep hearing great things about Trey Sermon. I mean, there was concern, like, is he going to be ready coming off that, you know, torn LCL, which is a knee injury that's We'll just say it's a lot better to have an LCL than an ACL. I'm hearing he's a beast, that he is, just looks like a beast over there, and there's really no doubt who's going to be the starting running back. So that's the biggest news from workouts. And other than, I guess, the fake outrage that they have to sign the Buckeye Pledge. But, yeah, Trey Sermon's looking like a beast over there. I mean, Justin Fields, he's, he's more than game ready. And a lot of these freshmen who enrolled early, they, the coaches are pleased with the way they look, that they were putting in the time when they're away from the facility. So um, I'm hearing nothing but good news so far, but we'll keep you guys posted on all of that. The other question from Bucks grad is, are there any planned press conferences? Not yet. We're hoping next week we're going to get maybe some players, maybe some assistant coaches, maybe Ryan Day on a teleconference. So hopefully next week. But to answer your question, there is nothing planned right now. In fact, hopefully later this week. I don't want to get you guys you know, too excited, but hopefully later this week. But hopefully, you know, at the latest, sometime next week we'll get some uh, some press conferences, some teleconference with Ohio State's players and coaches. All right, Bax, you take this one. This is from Gessig. Final question of the show. He wants to know regarding the fake outrage with the Buckeye Pledge, should all Ohio State faculty, staff, employees, and students have to sign a similar waiver? Well, I think they're going to, if you want my blunt opinion on it. 
I think Ohio State's going to be taking the health of its students and its faculty very seriously. And to be honest, I think that the general student population needs to sign this pledge a lot more than the football team does. Let's face it, the football players are on campus at a time when virtually no one is outside of some of the other athletes. They're on campus at a time where they're not interacting with the student body as a whole. So the people that they're signing this pledge to protect are essentially some of the older coaches on the staff um, and the, the parents and family members of their teammates, right? Well, what happens when all the student body returns? They're the ones that I think are a much bigger concern. They're interacting daily with professors that are in more of a risk area in terms of age and health-wise for contracting COVID than the football team is as a whole. Um, there's a lot more potential interaction with the student body as a whole than the, the professors and everybody else. I mean, how many of these people have uh, been part of study abroads or wanting to do all these other things before they got locked down recently, right? So I think you're going to end up seeing whatever the football team is signing would not shock me whatsoever. This Buckeye pledge become a, a university wide sort of deal. And again, here's the thing. If you break the quote Buckeye pledge, they're not going to boot you out of school. They're not going to, you know, stop your degree track, but it's, 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 it's kind of like, it's kind of like the shopping cart story. Like every, I don't know if people have seen this, but this is something I saw a while ago. It makes a lot of sense, right? Whenever you go shopping, you take your shopping cart out to your car, you unload your shopping cart, and then you have two choices. Neither one really has a consequence, right? One of them is you leave your shopping cart there. I'm kind of a dick for doing it because, well, somebody's trying to park there, they might not be able to use that spot. But who cares at the end of the day? Flip side is you can walk the shopping cart 30 feet over to the shopping cart aisle, put it back there, and make it for an easy return. Nobody sees you do it. You don't get a benefit to it. It's just the right thing to do. Well, that's what I think the Buckeye Pledge is asking people to do here. Look, there's, there's no downside. Or there's no, if, you, if you decide you're going to go to a party and not socially distance as much to you, like they're not going to throw you out of school for it. But it's kind of the right thing to do. You know, it's kind of the right thing to do. And let's face it, the student body, if you've ever been around college students or once were, you know they're going to misbehave at a much higher level than athletes who are in a very disciplined situation with their times monitored and their food situations monitored and they're not eating in common conference areas and in, in, in dining halls and all these other things. So if the football team's signing it, the rest of the student body better sign it. And same for the faculty and staff. I think that's, that's just the most logical way this is going to go. Very well said, my friend. Great stuff, as always, from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is must-read material. It is the bucket. Thanks again to Bax, and thank you to all listeners out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.